Uh, David, do you keep typing something? Um, you are, aren't you? I have been, You're, yeah. Well, stop typing. Get out of that chat room. God, what is it? <laughs> Plenty of fish. It's not the time to be doing that. Seriously, it can't be that time of the week again. It is. It's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jodie Rainsford and David Hellard. Hello, welcome again. It's um, episode, insert number here, of uh, Bad Boy Running. I've lost track. Have you? We, I know it's it's impressively big. It is. I, I, are we in double digits? I don't, I'm not sure we are yet. Well, I think we've edited around a few <laughs> of our shows to slide some forward. So this could be anywhere between number seven and about 12, I'd imagine. But, uh, but just while we remember off the top, we've just launched now. We, we've actually launched the podcast even though we're recording our 7th to 12th. So <laughs> if you're listening to this and loving it, please put us a review on iTunes. It can be a made-up one, hopefully really high stars. And what's the other one for? We figured out there's another one that's not for Apple. Do you remember what that's called? Stitcher. You go on Stitcher. Stitcher. Do, we need, yep. do we need reviews there? Uh, I don't know how Stitcher works. I don't know. If it's, if it's not Apple, I'm not really interested, to be honest. So if you, if you know anything about Stitcher... Email <laughs> letters at Bad Boy Running and tell us what we need to do to promote ourselves because uh, it's not going to work just based on our talent alone, clearly. So uh, all the help you can, you can give is much appreciated. Yeah, we're, anyway, fly- Jane- we're, flying, we're flying blind, aren't we? We're flying blind. If you want to know how to leave um, uh, reviews, I've um, left a... If you go to the Bad Boy Running podcast uh, Facebook group, I've left a short video there showing you how to to leave a review it's as unprofessional as the podcast so we've kept a level of consistency throughout now if you'd like to review jd's review video i've made a video (laughs) (laughs) i to review that review Uh, we think it's probably gonna get higher ratings than the podcast it's already fair (laughs) i do but anyway jd how have you been um tell us tell us what this what's been happening the last week well um something something pretty bad has happened um which uh, it, isn't, it hasn't actually been this week. It was it was a couple of weeks ago, but I've been, I've been saving it up. It was because um, I've been embarrassed to tell you. So, uh, I've done it's something, uh, <laughs> and it was all your fault. I've done something that I've never done before. I was um, I was supposed to be running the um, round the island race, which is seventy eight miles round the Isle of Wight. Okay, two, two pretty days. hilly as well, isn't it? It is quite hilly, and it's normally quite warm as well. And it happens at the same time as the round the island yacht race as well. So it's pretty busy. Great race. I've run it before. Absolutely loved it. And you, you know that my training hasn't been particularly good in the in the past few weeks. It hasn't been sort of world championship standard. Well, well I, if it's I, your I, world championships, possibly, but you know, normal sort of athletic standard. It has been lacking somewhat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Carb loading shouldn't be done for several months. <laughs> would be my only observation. Well, I always had this idea that I could uh, I could get up and I could just run any race. It doesn't matter as long as you know you've got the mindset. It doesn't really matter how bad you feel, how unfit you are, or anything else like that. And yeah, so this for the first time I DNF'd. <sighs> Things you've done it before as well. I mean, that's the I've got no problem with DNFing as as most people who've ever raced with me will account for. But you've done this race before. You should know what to expect. You should know how to train. Well, I mean, what happened? 
well, I, well, I didn't really train enough for it. That was the that was probably the main issue. I've I've always managed to wing it. If even if I haven't trained for it, I've always managed to wing it. And this time, uh, it just it went completely wrong. So uh, no energy, or you just gave up, or injured, or I don't know. I felt all right giving up. I, the thing is, I've always had even when I've been racing, and even when I've been like running um, and doing ones that. Um, you know, I've been really struggling with and everything like that. I've always had it in my mind, oh, I never DNF. I never DNF. It's just, yeah. you know. And then I, I just thought to myself, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to this. I was having an absolutely terrible time and I felt dreadful and I, my like, chest was hurt and everything else. Just I felt the worst that I've ever felt. And then, I, you know, dropped out. And, and I immediately regretted it. But like, sort of after a while, I, I didn't. So, so, yeah. So And then the first thing was when I went and told someone, they go, well, oh, that's not like you. Like damn you! That's not. <laughs> I, I, in my mind, I'd I thought, you know, oh yeah, no one cares whether I DNF or not. No, it doesn't matter. It's something that. Who, who, who was that person? Was it your daughter looking up to you? Saying, <laughs> well, you say that. Idea. You say that, but I was running, and she did want me to stop continuously. I'm not. I'm not blaming her, but she didn't want me to carry on. She so. was running with you. Well, of course, someone has to carry my <laughs> all my gels. <laughs> See, I, I bet if that was the first time you'd done that race, you'd have finished it. It's the, it's the psycho. I bet it's the psychology. Yeah, you know you've yeah, done it. I can see you that. don't have to prove it to yourself as much as I've never done this race before. I've got to get to the end, or else this race has beaten me. But once you've beaten the race, you're like, eh. yeah. I think I think that has a lot to do with it, and nothing at all to do with the fact that I would like to- two stone heavier than the last time I've done it. I've done barely any training for it, and I've tried to wing it. Like an idiot. Well, I mean, the good thing is you, we've, you've timed your DNFing almost like we'd planned this. Oh, with, uh, it is almost like we planned it. <laughs> I could tell you what I've been doing this week. It's not much. I've, I've, got, um, I've got Man versus Mountain coming up next week, which is a frighteningly scary race for me. I, I normally run lots of hills. Uh, so, no, I don't. I never run hills. I, run <laughs> I, normally, I normally train for lots of hills by doing lots of British military fitness because you do a lot of squats, lots of burpees, power bag carries, just all in the glutes. Um, and because of my ankle, I may have run a bit, but I've done none of the actual BMF because there's too much moving left to right and it's too much of a risk. So my, my, I've, I've, I've done my first class. It was tough. I was useless. And I'm, I'm doing Man vs. Mountain next, the next week. But my fear is that I just haven't had any training on hills. I haven't got any leg strength. I've got a bit of speed, a bit of stamina, so it's going to be tough. But um, So it could be another DNF for me, which which brings us on to our first guest our first of guest. the podcast ever. Someone actually <laughs> wants to come on our show. Amazing. We cleverly got her to agree to come on before we'd released the podcast. So <laughs> she had no idea how bad it would be. We, we just told her we were huge in Britain. I think she took our word for it, so... Yeah, no, that's it. We are, we are. Yeah. But to give a brief introduction, um, I'm I'm guessing if you're from the UK, you probably don't know Steph. This is Stephanie Bishop, is our, our first guest. If you're from the states, a certain aspect of the running community will know her, adore her, uh, probably be quite intimidated by her brilliance, and the other lot will probably think, "Wow, what an idiot! She's insane." <laughs> so uh, to, to just talk about some of her achievements. Sounds like the Steph- perfect guest. Yeah, exactly. It's a perfect guest to start off with. So Steph, Steph has um to read to read a description. Steph's done quite a lot of not necessarily obstacle course races, but really extreme event races. So 
This is, uh, I'll read this to you, Jenny, because you, you probably know as much about obstacle course racing as, as a lot of our listeners. So hopefully this will give some context to it. So before Amelia, before Pack, before Olaf Downer, before Shelley Koenig or Mark Webb, there was Stephanie Bishop. Now, does that impress you, Jenny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who? says Stephanie was the overall winner of the Peak Races Winter Snowshoe Death Division 2010. <laughs> That's an actual title. Is that That's the title? The Peak Races Winter Snowshoe <laughs> Death Division. What I like about that is we don't actually know if it's a race in the winter or not. You just have to wear a winter snowshoe. Maybe that's a challenge. Maybe it's through a desert in the summer, but you have to wear winter snowshoes. Those, those tennis racket type ones, I imagine. It's so anyway, welcome, Steph. Oh, welcome, Thank you. Steph. <laughs> well, actually, it was in the winter and we never wore snowshoes for the whole race. What was that race? It was, so it was, if you're familiar with the death race, which was um, a race that started in Vermont um, by Joe DeSena, CEO of Spartan, and um, Andy Weinberg. And uh, it pretty much is a race where you go in, you don't know what you're going to do, you don't know when you're officially going to start, you don't know when you're going to end. So you also, just kind it, of... It, could, it was just the first one as well. Like, did you have an indication going into it? They had the summer races. This was the first winter one. And I like to call it the winter death race beta version because I think they wanted to see how people would react and if they would survive <laughs> before they made it an official race. So I was like a test dummy. Did you read, read through the waiver very closely for that one? Usually it's just like, you may die and that's it. You just kind of sign off on it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and talk us through it. What happens? Well, that one was really unique. That one only lasted about 18 hours. Um, they started us off with a riddle. Um, we had to then, you know, trek through a river. And then it was March in Vermont, so it was cold. There was, you know, lots of snow on the ground. River was pretty frozen. Um, we had to solve riddles. We had to chop a lot of wood. Um, <laughs> I had to uh, put together... Oh, I had to go up to the top of a mountain, um, remember a sequence of 21 numbers, which I still remember to this day. Wow. That was in 2010. And you had to run back down the mountain and recite them later on in the race. How, um, how far was it top to bottom, would you say? Like, if you got that wrong, what would you have to get back? Well, the thing is, is they tell you to, to do something, and you don't know if you ever need to, like... They, they tell you to remember something and you're not sure if you actually will have to remember it later on. It's just a mental game. They want to mess with your head. So, um, <laughs> so it was about, I think like four miles back down the mountain, maybe by the trails that we took, I got lost. I was by myself. Um, I found my way back on a trail. Um, and I was the only person out of all the racers that remembered all the numbers, but I didn't realize it until about 10 hours after I recited them. And um, people were being given penalties for messing up the numbers. And I was the only person who did not have penalties. Um, let's see, what else? I wrestled an Olympic wrestler. <laughs> I drank a gallon of milk in a frozen pond that they broke a hole in. Um, and um, I shot a nine millimeter gun at targets. I ran a lot of hill repeats, uh, did a Tyrolean traverse, carried five gallon buckets of water, couldn't spill any of it had a plank contest it's just a lot of physical and mental challenges and the whole time you have you know people like joe is like you're he's like you're never gonna finish just quit just quit just quit you know 
Um, I actually had hypothermia. So um, I got really, one of my friends was about to call an ambulance because Joe wouldn't let me out of the pond. And I was sitting in there with my gallon of milk trying to finish it. And we all know, like, you physically cannot drink a gallon of milk without vomiting. What's a gallon? Is that that four pints? Is that that two liters? A gallon is four liters. Four liters? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Okay, wow. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. How many ounces are in a gallon? Oh, 100, 100, <laughs> 128. I think it's 128 or something. So, like, here's a liter. So, here's a liter. Okay, yeah. It's a lot of milk. Yeah, it is. <laughs> so you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the amount of milk isn't really the issue here. It's the fact you're sat in a pond with hypothermia, drinking the milk. That's the shaking, that's and that you have. They actually brought in a um uh like a a motivational speaker to come in and a psychotherapist and she's sitting there everybody's out of the pond at this point I'm like the poor soul that's still stuck in there and I remember I'm like so cold I'm shaking I'm trying to drink it and she's like let's do visualization let's try to get the tiniest bit left like not even a cup and I could not drink it and she's like what's your favorite trick I was like water just water just I don't want anything else Finally, they pulled me out of the pond because I was just ready to like pass out, and yeah. Joe just made me do some hill repeats. And I then proceeded to sit by a bonfire in front of all the snowshoers because there was a snowshoe race going on with a hand down my throat, trying trying to make myself feel better. <laughs> Not a care in the world. And then, lo and behold, like I think forty five, maybe forty five minutes later, I was okay, and I just continued on the race and and pushed through. So. So how, how long did it last then in the end? That one was only 18 hours. Um, I've done death races. I did the two summer ones. Um, one was 33 and a half hours I finished in that summer. In 2014, I did one. It was 65 hours. No sleep, I assume. Pretty much no sleep. I got about, I would say, maybe two hours at the very end. And it wasn't even comfortable sleep because I was cold, beat up. Yeah. And, just, it, and at the end, do they say... Welcome to the CIA. (laughs) (laughs) No, they go like, here's your $5 plastic skull. Congratulations. (laughs) Sort of joke. It's like, there's a skull. Let's add add, add a bit of context to this. So, so, I mean, for people that don't, to be honest, this doesn't sound like a race. This sounds like one man who's just decided to torture a load of people, get them to do whatever they want. Just to explain what what the sort of death race, death race is for, for, for people that, well, for me, I've never heard, I've never heard of them before, so I don't really know, but it, it, do they all they all sort of follow that format where you don't know what's going to happen next? Yeah, well, uh, first off, I I remember an article in the New York Times years ago before I even signed up for my first one, and it said a great description is jackass meets survivor. It's kind of like that. <laughs> you know, you do these idiotic things that you know you're you could very well get injured. Um, you know, they try to though keep the safety level you know very <laughs> high. But yeah. but people people do these from all different walks. You get a lot of endurance athletes that do them because you do cover. Um, I covered a hundred miles in my sixty five hours, and a lot of it is carrying extremely heavy things like boulders and logs. Um, your packs, which can weigh anywhere from like thirty to maybe seventy pounds, depending on what you carry. And then you have people that just have gone through a lot of things in life, and they want to challenge them, or they haven't gone through they haven't had really this big moment in life and they want to challenge themselves and you know, they, they want to see what they're really capable of doing and see how far they can go without being broken. And a lot of these races, a lot of people don't make it, whether it's a time hack, they, they you know, they, they die. They, 
They just, <laughs> they just die and they get it as a cemetery up there and they bury them and, you know, it's, That's it's one a nice of the challenges. place. It's one of the challenges. You've got to pick up the dead bodies on the roots and then, and then carry them. We have to, the... have to dig graves, you know. <laughs> <laughs> That's why they made us bring the post hole digger one year. <laughs> a, a lot of the slightly wacky races I've been on, you often get a stag do or two taking part. <laughs> no, no, I've never seen that, but I think I would have. I would have loved my bachelorette party or hen do, as you call it. I would have loved to have it at a race like this. <laughs> I doubt any a lot of my friends would make it through, but it would. So, has there ever been someone who's completely ill prepared, who didn't really understand what they were signing up to, and who just rocks up in his sh- shorts and a t-shirt? Yeah, maybe you, JD. <laughs> um, I think in the previous years, yes, you do. You would get sometimes some of those people. I heard a story about this one guy. He showed up having no experienced endurance racing. So, and he felt really dehydrated. So he ate a whole noon tablet. With no liquid. He ate the whole noon tablet and he was vomiting like black skunk for hours. They had to do all these burpees. This happened the gap in last summer this past summer. So, so yes, you do get people like that. How many people, Whereas we, how many people we all compete? know that you said Jay. So how many how many people compete in this? What what sort of numbers and what's the sort of dropout rate? It sounds let's see, I'll give you some um some perspective because it's it, it it grew over the years. Yeah. This summer was the past was the last one. I don't know. I, I did not do it this summer. Um, I was actually over in your beautiful country um, instead. But uh, in 2010, in the summer of 2010, 185 registered. I believe 90 showed up, and 19 of us finished. Wow. Um, in 2014, it was like 250. I think showed up. Maybe a uh, hundred and. 50 or a little bit more started and 65 of us finished, which was a very high finishing rate. And this summer it was oh, more than that. I mean, it was a huge group. I saw a photo. It was a couple hundred people were there. Um, and there were six people that were like the top finishers or eight, excuse me, because they donated money to charity. The, yeah. the, the race, the entry fees, they donated all of them to charities of the top people that finished. Um, and then they had a group that finished underneath them. So the finishing rate is not the best. Uh, you <laughs> know, it's gotten better. <laughs> has, has it got, as the, as the race has gone on, has it got, like, from that one in 2010? Because what happens is that as they become more popular, some races, they become less extreme or they become a little bit, a little bit easier to do. Have you, have you found that? I was like, yeah, I remember in 2010 we had to, you know, fight crocodiles and, you know, that sort of yeah. stuff. But, you know, <laughs> now it's, yeah, we, we, yeah, we don't have to do as much as that. Well, what I heard, what happened in the years I did not do the race, 2011 and 2012 especially, or 2012 and 2013, is that the race kind of took a turn towards more of those jackass-type stunts rather than an actual race. Because there was an actual race in 2010. There was a race in 2014. Um, you know, there were you had strict time cutoffs. You had to finish tasks in, um, or else you would be disqualified. Um, so I think it steered off the path it wanted to stay on, and then they, they kind of he steered it back on the path of an actual race. It must be really hard to do something like that with 300 people and monitor everyone. And I mean, the health and safety issues just become ridiculous. Or or either that or you have to have so many people on such a big... They had a medical staff and you had to check in with the medical staff. They would watch you and they pulled you if they thought that you were not in a, you know, condition, good enough condition to carry on. Um, So you had to be smart. I was severely dehydrated last summer. Um, I, for a good 12 plus hours and I almost quit. Um, I was not feeling good at all. Um, 
just weak. I was lightheaded. I, I was dizzy. I'm surprised I didn't black out. But every time I saw a medic, it was like, hey, how are you? <laughs> and I would literally walk around the corner and like curl up in a ball and just, but you know, you, I played the game a little bit there because I knew yeah. I would have pulled me. I'm like that every time I see cameras on the course. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we're, we're badass, you know. So the, the as you probably gathered, this is that the theme for today is, is DNFing. Do you know finishing? Um, oh, yeah. Now for me, I I haven't got a problem with DNFing. I've done it many many times, and oh. and so the real question we've got today is. Should you be ashamed of DNFing? Should it be a big issue or not? Um, so Steph's come on because obviously someone who doesn't like to DNF, as you probably gathered. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> how How are you feeling, Jodie, about having your first DNF? Looking back on it now, it, are you is a huge regret there, or are you quite philosophical about it? I'm I'm quite philosophical about it, if I'm honest. I don't. It doesn't really bother me too much. It doesn't bother me as much as I thought it would. Um, I don't like the idea that I have DNF'd. Um, and I don't like the idea that I'd I'd do it again. Especially, I say, well, actually, when you say that you know it's a race that you've done before, and so you know that you've you know that you've completed it, and and everything that goes with that, I can un- you know it does it doesn't make me feel so bad. If if I hadn't done it before, I'd, I'd be feeling a lot worse. I thought, um, but I don't feel as bad as I as I thought I would. It's, it feels like there's a lot of pressure off as well. I think it depends on the race as well. I mean, I've I. I almost had three DNFs in a row because of my ankle, which I think is fair enough. But, not, but I always, whenever I've DNFed, it's for a good reason. It's not because I can't be bothered to go on. It's, it's normally because I think, right, I'm not doing well in this race. I'm either racing this for league points and I've got to race next week, so I'd rather save myself while I'm racing for training. I've never gone out and been in a race that I've raced just, for the, just to finish well in that race that I've given up in. So I think there's a slight difference with, with how you approach it. Well, the, um, the, other, well, the other thing was that actually this, this, this just reminded me was I had no idea how I was doing. Typical last minute. I wasn't wearing a, uh, a watch or anything. Um, I didn't have any of the stuff with me. And so I didn't realise how, you know, how long I'd taken. I didn't realise what distance I was at. And uh, and actually, it was actually doing a lot better than I thought. So I, there was no way for me. I'd like I'd, I'd I'd run like nineteen miles or something, and and I thought I I thought I'd gone less distance. I was feeling dreadful. If I'd have had, you know, if I'd have known that I actually wasn't, I wasn't doing too badly. Maybe it wouldn't be so bad. But I just I felt different. I felt different, and it, it was hot, and I don't know. It felt it felt dreadful. It look I, I feel quite wimpy now, like in comparison to to the stories <laughs> you're gonna you're about to say. You're doing this on purpose, aren't you? Oh, I hate you. <laughs> well, I mean, to be fair, you're the person with the least DNFs on this call this year. You generally. are, yeah. I'm the so person do. who's done the least races as well. <laughs> <laughs> the least amount of running. <laughs> by, by a long, long way. But I, when, I, when I first met Steph, it was um, Winter Tough Guy, which I don't know how well it's known outside of obstacle course racing or even the UK, but it was pretty much the very first obstacle course race it was the um i'm really actually we, we we're not too worried about legals often but i do know this could be a court case if i were this the wrong way um let's say let's call it the inspiration for tough mother um it's probably the best way to word it <laughs> which which has obviously now gone global um but steph steph came over to race and Oh wow, she was furious when I first time I met her. She was so pissed off, and um, <laughs> that was that was your first DNF, wasn't it, Steph? 
That was my first UNF ever. Well, I mean, how when you came, what brought you over? What you were, what were you expecting? What happened during the race? You know, how do you, what do you feel about it now? Um, I really wanted to do it. Scott Keneally, uh, who is the man behind Rise of the Sufferfest, the documentary that's coming out, he, uh, over a drink in a bar in Brooklyn in October, I believe it was, uh, he convinced me to sign up for it, but it sounded like a great race and it sounded like something that I would like to do given my experience, uh, you know, suffering. I like to suffer. I like, I like the challenges. And it was even more appealing because it was only about 15K, yeah. which is nothing compared to what I <laughs> So I was like, oh, this is a walk in the park. Wrong. Um, I think that I, I was prepared. I did a lot of cold water training. I would go for runs and I would jump into frozen bodies of water towards the end of the run and keep on running. Um, and I DNF'd about... Mm, in the killing fields and like the main obstacle section around, I think it was K11. So it was about halfway through like the big obstacle course section, the underwater tunnels. I so was had, pulled out. Had you done, there's, there's, there's a point in the race where you, you go three times under. That, that's it. That's where they pulled me out. I had two guys that pushed me up over the side of the, the bank and then, then they dragged me to the warming. <laughs> and were you, were you aware of what was going on at that stage? Or? Um, I knew, I knew when I got in the water, I knew what was coming. Um, I was aware I walked the course the day before. Um, and, but at that point also, I was so hypothermic. Um, I could hardly talk. I just wanted to sleep. I could hardly move. Um, I was just more in like autopilot mode, just like, okay, one foot, just keep on moving. You'll eventually get through it. Um, it's going to be okay. But, you know, I, I was definitely not okay. Um, well, I think the cold is the one thing that people don't understand how tough it is. And actually keeping your head above the water is so different to actually that head freeze just ruins you. But I don't know. See, now I've I thought about it a lot. I've had a lot of time to think about it. And I think that I was overdressed for the event. I'm going to flat out and say that. <laughs> I think that um, <laughs> sounds ridiculous. But that's that, that makes logical sense. But it makes of course, sense. Of course, because, that's the thing I was going to suggest. You know, less clothes. Uh, less clothes, but good headgear. You know, keep the heat in. Um, uh, when the first section of the race is a, is a run, you know, and it's it's a, you go up and down those hills, you your body temperature, you raise a pretty, you know, it's a pretty solid run. Yeah. Um, I was broiling hot by the time I got into the like into the main obstacles. So I couldn't wait to get a little bit wet because I was so hot. I just wanted to cool off. So I have a feeling I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm no doctor, but I have a feeling that it was just the shock to my body from being so warm uh, and cooling off so, so quickly that yeah. everything was just sucked out of my body. I mean, there's a photo. There's, <laughs> there's a great, I could send you a photo comparison. There's the photo of me before the race. I look so pumped up. And then you have the photo of me in the middle of the race. And I look like I'm like white as a ghost. You know, I'm kind of purple. There's a guy behind me who looks completely normal, and you just know, like, it's not my day. But the, uh, that's the thing about Tough Guy. People, Tough Guy is the hardest race I've ever done. And I've, I mean, I've, not, I've, I've done nothing of the scale of the death race, but I've, I've done multi-days. I've done um, huge heights, loads of different style challenges. But it's just going in and out of the water again and again and again. Especially that there's one point where they have, it's a, almost like a canal that you have to jump into go in the water, through the ice, smashing the ice, 
jump out of. And it's about 50 meters where you have to go in and out and then yeah. just keep on shuffling up, go back in and out. And it's so draining, so exhausting. Because you're also pulling yourself out of on those banks and, and everything. It's just, it's so physically taxing. But the, there's an amazing video out there. I think it's going to be in uh, Scott's Rise of the Sufferfest as well of uh, Mr. James Atherton, who I believe you, you may have met before. Yes. <laughs> and um, James is Mr. Tough Guy. If you're going to say anyone in history who has conquered Tough Guy, who's associated with that brand the most, it's going to be James because he's won it at least five times. I think he, ran, he won it five times in a row. And he came back this year really intent on smashing it again. I, I know he hasn't done it for a few years and there've been a few people coming from abroad who'd taken the title that he wanted to kind of take on and see how good they were. He completely messed it up as well. He, he, he still had a, I think he had neoprene on. He had some good clothing, but it was just slightly too thin. And there's one, there's one point in the, the video where you're listening to the narrator and it, it does sound as if it's um, someone who's a, either a child or um, actually in the way the voice is slurring slightly, you suddenly realize actually this is James hypothermic and you see him just stumbling around then being dragged into the showers and, and desperately trying to get him warm. And this is the guy who's run it more times than anyone else. It wasn't even that cold this year. That was the no. Thing. It wasn't even windy. It was not windy either. Like the following day, it was brutally cold and windy. And I mean, how? So how, looking back on it now, then has this? Because often, once you've got one DNF, it's, it's broken. You know, why not get a million? I mean, how how do you feel about it? At first, I was devastated. I tried to go back on the course when I was in the warming <laughs> hut. Which is, <laughs> so the war, you know, the warming huts are where they bring. It's like. It's like a war zone because you go into this, you're led into this hut and there are all these coal stoves going and they wrap you in like a ratty old wool blanket and they give you a cup of tea and you just people are like shaking and convulsing around you and slurring and you're like, oh, I'm not that bad. And yes, you are that bad. <laughs> but um, I remember I'm like, I saw one of the race marshals and his name is Chris, but his nickname is Beefcake. Um, and I remember screaming out for him and he... He came over and he's like, what are you doing in here? And I was like, oh, like, you know, flurring and shivering. And I'm like, I want to go back out. And he's like, you can't go back out. I'm like, I want to go back out. And he's like, and he's like, I, if I see you out there, I'm going to disqualify you. Because what you don't realize is once your body starts going down that road yeah. is that, you know, one, like, say if I dropped off a rope into a body of water, I could easily have a heart attack or something, something really bad can happen and I later found out that I think it was the gentleman that won the year before a German I believe yeah um he uh he was carted off on a stretcher I think um so oh, wow. he fell into the water so you don't you know once your body starts sh shutting down it's kind of it's done, it's done for the day like but this is so the, this, this was a DNF for for you know physical reasons there was no you know it's it's in that situation, it's not your mind giving up, is it? It's not. This isn't a mindset thing. This is your body has totally shut down. You you can't do anything yep. about it, and it's being taken away from you. It's still though difficult to to swallow. Even like a DNF is a DNF, you know. And you go and you train for something, or you don't train for something, but you still want to complete something. So you know whether your body agrees with you or not. There all have been times where we've challenged ourselves, and our bodies don't really want to come along for the ride but we push through and, and we we achieve it so, so it was very difficult 
So there, so in contrast, then there have been times when you have DNF'd when it hasn't been a physical thing, and that's oh no, the only uh, so I technically DNF'd uh, again this summer um, an obstacle course race. Um, it's called Battle Frog. It's here in the U.S. Um, it's mandatory obstacle completion, so it definitely makes it a lot more difficult. And um, I've I've had kind of an up and down this whole year. I I, I had Lyme disease earlier this year in the summer. Um, I was on medicine for a couple weeks, so I was really exhausted and just, it was like everything I was trying to do, something else was just, just thrown at me. But I did well at my first Battle Frog, so I went and did another. Explain Battle Frog, what's the format with that? It's an obstacle course race, like, you know, like your typical obstacle course race. Um, but it's for elites. If you want to race as an elite, you have to complete every obstacle. There is no obstacle completion penalty. Like if you don't complete it, you can try again, can't you? Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can try as long as you want to try. So I ended up at the platinum rig and I could not get a transition. The rig was really long, actually. Explain what the platinum rig is, because I think a lot of people won't know what that is. So platinum rig is a metal structure that can be configured in multiple ways, usually with um, ropes, rings, monkey bars of all different grips. Um, Those nunchucks. Um, it's pretty much like an upper body crusher. Um, it takes a lot of grip strength, a lot of upper body strength to get through it. Um, so uh, I, I could make it through the first half of it. I could make it through the second half of it in two separate parts, but I couldn't make it through the whole thing. And so pretty much I, refusing to give up my elite band, pretty much I didn't care where I placed at that point. I just wanted to complete the rig. I knew I can complete the, the race in its entirety, but that one section kept on tripping me up. So I spent eight hours after race. <laughs> uh, <laughs> eight hours. I, um, you, you know, I think people started to mistake me for a volunteer because I was there for so long. Um, and I was so just destroyed by the end of it. I mean, my grip was done. I had rope burn all over my body. I think it was a second degree rope burn on my leg. It was like the size of my fist. Had, um, had everyone else gone home? I was, I think, one of the last people on the course, yes. Uh, how, sorry, how long, how long was the race then? So at what point... It's only get... like a 15K. Right, and so um, and what's, the t- what's the cut-off time? So how, how quick did um, you get they to the let you, They let you take on your last lap, I believe, at 3 p.m. So they have something called BFX, which is you do as many laps as you can in a day. Yeah. You don't have to complete the obstacles. You can do um, a penalty, which is an eight-count bodybuilder. It's a military exercise. Yeah. So you have people that are there running all day long and, you know, I've kept on seeing the same people pass on. (laughs) Um, So they have until three o'clock to start their last lap. So I'm like, okay, so I have three, I was only on my first lap. So I had to do two laps um, as an elite. Um, So I knew I had until 3 p.m. But at 3 p.m. came around and I still wasn't through it. So I did have to give up my band, but I still didn't leave. I stayed there for another hour and a half to still try to do it. I didn't care. I just wanted to. You go. Uh, do, you know, do you know what the worst thing is? J- JD, JD's done it. Oh <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, that that rig thing. Yeah, that was easy. <laughs> JD does it every morning just to, uh, <laughs> just to get the breakfast. What, what I like about this is the fact that even if you'd have taken eight hours to do it, you then had to go around a second lap and try to do it again. <laughs> well, I would have. Oh yeah, if I finished after three, you're right. You're correct. <laughs> 
Oh, and so what was going through your head seven hours in when you're covered in rope burns, you've got no grip strength? Yeah, come on, let's well, try, try and describe your, your, your state of mind uh, through using the sort of language that was going through your mind at that, <laughs> at that eight-hour point. Actually, I was in really good spirits because you find a lot, a lot of these races, and I'm, I'm sure it's the same over there, is that everybody's so great and warm and welcoming, and people want you to do it. It, I had a little cheering section going on for me. And they're like, oh, you're still here. And I was like, yeah, just you know, giving it another shot. Um, but I think only there was one moment, probably around maybe like 1.30 or 2, and I was so close to getting it. Yeah. I just, I fell again and, you know, some cursed a bunch. Tried not to be too loud because there are small children around. <laughs> but um and then I like I remember like hitting one of the rings. I was so frustrated, and I was like, you know what, you can do this. And I just took some time and tried again and tried again. So I but, suppose it, it's difficult, isn't it? Because if it's something like upper body strength, you're, you're, it's always like diminishing returns, isn't it? You're you're going to lose your strength um, as it goes on. No, because it it is upper body strength and it is grip strength, but there is a level of technique. And I think that since I'm newer to obstacle course racing, my racing experience is triathlon and ultra endurance races and I'm learning technique as I the more that I race and the more that I train technique can you know make or break you and if you instead of just trying to I usually give myself now if I fail it I give myself like two to three times of doing it and then I sit back because I don't want to burn out my energy and I just try to really think what's the best way for me to tackle this obstacle because it happened again in Pittsburgh um, at another race but I made (laughs) I made it through on the first the first lap. I actually I failed it the first time. I went back. I did it the second time. I went right through it. Um, on my second lap, I came around, and it's funny because you see a lot of all the female, a bunch of the female elite athletes, and I'm like, oh, pot and rig party again. Hey, everybody. It was the same marshals there. It's the same group of girls. You meet, you make a lot of really good friends at like the rig because everybody's there for so long. Um, but I remember like I couldn't get it and it was getting it was it was really frustrating and I was there until about I think I don't know like maybe only two hours this time <laughs> and I finally got it and it was like I came down to being 10th placing 10th or not placing at all because they placed the top 10 so it was down to this one other gal who's so nice she's a she's a friend of mine and myself and I was like let me just give it one more shot and I got it you know, so you can spend two hours at it and you just have to be smart about how you approach it. That's incredible. And do you approach everything in life? You know, if you, if you go out and you, you open a bag of crisps, like, I will finish this bag of crisps. <laughs> Always. Oh, are you kidding? <laughs> ice cream. I will finish this tub of ice cream. Definitely. Is, is that kind of stubbornness? Has that been throughout your life, would you say? Or? Yeah, I'm, so, I'm a very stubborn person. <laughs> oh, poor James. Poor, poor James. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's seen the worst of it. <laughs> so, what what we're going to introduce? Because um, DNF, I, I don't think exists in in running in the same way it does in obstacle course races. Because you can always finish a running race, and if you don't, it's normally because you're injured, and that's a good reason. Unless you get to the ultra level or yeah. the crazy mountain level, but you're never going to have a situation where you DNF a five k unless there's a very good reason. Um, but in obstacle course racing, there's certainly this macho approach that if you dnf that is a huge embarrassment and, and people they almost want the bigger war story of i've broken three legs i um you know i i physically passed out four times and i still finish it they that that to them is a this huge achievement it's, it's better than 
than just say, I've broken my leg, I probably should get it fixed so I can race as soon as possible afterwards. Um, so we, we, we're trying to counteract that a little bit by introducing an award for, for DNFing. It's, it's an idea of a guy called cleaning his girlfriend. Oh no, sorry, no, they're not, they're not going, that's, no one knows that. Um, two indep- independent people who are good friends. Oh no, I won't do this. <laughs> the amount of stuff we have to cut from this podcast, because your mouth runs away with you. <sighs> there is, um, it's, it's, it's an idea of two good friends, and they think whenever you DNF, you should get a wooden spoon, you should write the race and the year on it, and then keep that wherever you keep your medals, or keep it somewhere to motivate you for the next one. So that every day you're looking at that wooden spoon. That is really good. That's really good. No, that's great. I usually do. I have my tough guy bib and I look at it and I carry <laughs> it. I carried it to a death race with me to remind <laughs> myself that you're not quitting. You know. Where is it now? What, where, what, is it pride of place somewhere? or? It's, it's not right here where I work. But yes, I have it where I see it pretty much on a daily basis. You see, I, I'm now at the stage where, say I bring a girl back. She'll come into my room and she'll go, Wow. I didn't know you were such a good chef. <laughs> like, no, no, this. Wow, you incredible at soup. I can tell that's not a true story because you don't bring girls back. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> well, one day, one day. But um, we'll be going on for some time now. But there, there is one question that the listeners really want you to answer, Steph. It's quite important as well. <laughs> So people may or may not know that, that Steph is very, very close with James Apperton, one of the, the top OCR races in the world. Um, and uh, I think he's UK champion at the moment, actually. So you're obviously going to get married and have lots of babies. He's, uh, <laughs> he's already informed me of this. So what we want to know, 20 years time, it's going to be obstacle course racing death race at the Olympics. Are the little Appletons going to be representing Britain or America? Oh. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> That's a really. Uh, this is, so you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> I am putting you on the spot. <laughs> uh, well, how, can we do one and one? <laughs> Ooh, you could. Which, okay, the, the first baby, will they be American or British? I'm going to have to gun for America, but. I know that he's gonna that there's gonna be a problem with that. So Chad, you know, there's gonna be have to there's gonna have to be some kind of competition, I think, to uh, a showdown on you know, for between to determine which country will be represented. Brilliant! That's a great idea. I, to be honest, I think hearing what we've heard already, I think you'd be a frightening person to have to deal with in labour. Uh, and I think if you <laughs> if you wanted if you wanted that baby to be American, there's absolutely no way. That that baby is not going to be American. <laughs> to be honest, I I don't even think there will be a labour. I think she'll be halfway she'll be halfway through a death race, and she'll be like, "Baby, she'll just have a baby. She'll just power it out." <clears throat> baby in my way. Take here. Take this. I have to finish the race. <laughs> Medic. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so we, we know the future champion is going to be American, unfortunately, then. Damn it, damn it. <laughs> so, yeah, so, so on, that, on that awkward note that we decided to end <laughs> the podcast on, thank you, thank you, David, as usual. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Steph. It's been fantastic. Oh, it's been brilliant. Thank you so much. 
first guest on Bad Boy Running. That, might, that might mean something at episode 150. You, it's possible that you might be the last guest as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm extremely honoured. <laughs> but, um, I mean, what have you got? What's coming up next for you? It's tough. I definitely have I have the North Face uh, 50K on the calendar. That's in San Fran in December. Um, I'd like to go to World's Toughest Mudder. I'm considering doing the Spartan, the Ultra Beast in Tahoe. It's, I think that's going to be kind of a day before decision um, and just kind of wing it. But I think I do actually pretty well at it, given just because the length of it. Yeah. So that's that for now. I want to go back and do Tough Guy. I'm in this like kind of a fight with my physical therapist because yeah, he's also my coach, uh, my strength coach. Um, he wants me to t- have an off season and I don't understand what off season is. Yeah. So um, he's like, you need like eight weeks off. And I'm like, well, I have this. I'm pretty much like booked through next year, I feel like. So I have to squeeze that in. I'd like to try the Fuego survival run in Nicaragua. I don't know if you're familiar with that. So there are a couple things. I mean, I, I'm not really good at planning. So I just kind of like decide that I want to do things like right before, unless I, unless it was something that requires a lot of planning. So, um, you know, something in an exotic location. Well, our listeners have heard where you're going now. So if you're bad boy running listeners, if you're planning on attending any of those races, take your wooden spoons with you (laughs) and show Steph that it's okay that she she DNF. It's it's acceptable. No pressure. No more pressure. Even even Jody has done it. That's how extreme, you know, you can be and still DNF. David, I've heard that you uh, you would be like Mo Farah if you would uh, curb on the cele- the pre-race celebrations. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, the, the trouble is, if you're doing back-to-back races, you're always celebrating the last one. So, oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I mean, I could maybe save a few minutes off my time, but it wouldn't be worth it. Definitely right. not. <laughs> well, thanks for coming on, Seth. It's oh, been absolutely Steph. fantastic. Thank you so much. And, and if the, the listeners would like to send in their their stories of DNFing or their views on whether DNFing is something that is uh, just wise and you're, you're doing the sensible thing or something to be utterly ashamed of, it's letters at Bad Boy Running or tweeters at hashtag Bad Boy Running. And yes, spectacular DNFs if, you, if you've got any. Talking about DNFs, we'll be talking about uh, David's uh, involvement in Special Forces Week. So... <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, yeah. Bring some, uh, bring a box of tissues for that one, because there's going to be tears, <laughs> tears of plenty, <laughs> mainly from me. But there we go. <laughs> Thanks, guys, and see you next week. Okay, see you later. 